to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. The Sugarcoated Podcast shines the light on all the incredible women and the work that we do, the innovative and transformational thoughts that we have, and all of the impact that we are making in this world, both personally and professionally. Sugarcoating anything stops right here. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. This is Adrienne Garland, and welcome to Sugarcoated. Today, I just did a recording with Alana Rea. She is the CEO and founder of a nonprofit organization called ETRA. ETRA means to be, and ETRA is all about providing mentorship to girls. And what she does is she helps to connect mentors in large and small corporations all around the country uh, with girls who are looking to ask questions, to learn about certain professions, and to seek out role models. And I'm really excited about what it is that she's doing because it provides girls with the opportunity to literally see what they can be in the future. Her work is so important, and in this conversation that you'll listen into now, uh, you'll hear all of the incredible things that they're doing and all of the incredible places that they've been able to get into and have these powerful conversations with female leaders. One of the things that is really laying heavy on my heart is everything that is happening in the world today. We are just a couple of days past the brutal murdering of George Floyd at the hands of a police officer who was really supposed to be protecting him instead of murdering him and holding him down so that he couldn't breathe any longer. And, um, you know, it's it's with a heavy heart that I am recording this week. One of the things that I hope that this organization, ETRA, can do is to to be a mentor for these girls that are in segregated neighborhoods so that they, too, can see what they can be and have the chance to ask questions to female leaders. There is so much systemic racism and discrimination that is just built into everything, you know, from the places that we're born, the neighborhoods that we live in, and the opportunities that we have. I I really love what ETRA is doing, and I hope that this is something that gets into all different neighborhoods. Of course, I'm a huge proponent of, of women and leadership, but even this idea of opening up 
these um, conversations with people that are not maybe necessarily in the same situation and really getting these ideas into the minds of the youth is something that is super powerful. So with that, please listen in to the Sugarcoated podcast with Alana Rea and please take some time and go over to the reviews in iTunes. And if it so moves you, please give us a five-star review. It really helps us to spread the message about women entrepreneurs and women leaders. And it helps us to get our voices out into the world and amplified. So please tell everybody that you know about the Sugar Coated Podcast and all of the different podcasts that are on the She Leads Podcast Network. We have Feminist AF, We have Life After Corporate. We have a couple of other podcasts coming out very, very soon. Entrepreneurs, IRL, some therapeutic type of podcast and lifestyle and so much more. So please, please check them all out. Go to SheLeadsMedia.com, click on the podcast link, and if you would like to send me an email, I am super responsive. You can ask anybody. My email address is adrian at SheLeadsMedia.com, and enjoy this episode. My name is Adrian Garland, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I'm so excited today to welcome my guest, Alana Rea. She's the founder and CEO of Etra. which is a mentorship platform for girls and for women. Welcome, Alana. Thank you so much. I am so excited to talk to you. Uh, I just learned about Etra, and I was diving into all of the incredible work that you're doing with girls and with women and the mentorship programs. And I have to tell you that I'm so impressed with the traction that you've gotten and the visibility that you've garnered for your organization. I would love to talk all about that, but what I really want to do is to have people get to know you a little bit better. So if you could just kind of let everybody know, you know, who you are and why you started Etra. Sure. Um, Thanks so much for having me. I am a very unlikely founder. I will say that at the outset. I had no idea that I was going to do something like this, and it has become such an incredible joy in my life. But when I started out working, I was a lawyer and I was a really happy, really nerdy mergers and acquisitions lawyer in New York. And I truly thought that I would do that forever. I had tons of role models growing up, a lot of them women. Um, My grandmother in particular was a lawyer when women were not. My first mentor at my law firm was a woman. So I think in the back of my mind, I had always wanted to do something with mentorship and kind of pay that forward a little bit. But I was working in my early career in corporate law. And when my daughter was in middle school, I realized that she really didn't have a good sense of what I was doing every day. Hmm. So not her fault. It's, you know, not the easiest industry to explain to a girl. But I think that I was trying, or to any kid, I think I was trying so hard to keep my work shelved. And when I got home, make the focus so much about both of my kids that I wasn't sharing my work with her enough. And so at the time, I just tried to take her to lunch with a lot of my very accomplished friends to show her what women were doing every day in interesting fields and let her ask questions, my job included, but really highlighting other interesting women. And she loved it. Wow. More than that, 
my friends loved it. Yeah, They loved the idea of talking to her about all of this stuff. So when I retired from law, that's when I founded Etra. Wow. That, that is such an incredible gift that you were able to give your middle school daughter because we all know that during those middle school years, it's, it's hell. You know, you are trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to fit in with all of your friends and everything. But if you can sort of see a world outside of that little microcosm that just, it, it just, you know, it like sucks up so much of the energy of our young women. The fact that you were able to, you know, take her with you and expose her to your world is I'm I'm sure a tremendous gift. What like how old is she now? <laughs> so she's 22 now. Wow. Uh, I know she graduated college. She's heading off for a master's program in biophysiology Whoa. and a bunch of other scary sounding topics that she adores. But she does look back and talk about the fact not only that she was exposed to oh let's go see what a surgeon does, let's go see what a designer does, you know, a CEO, a writer but that these women took the time to speak seriously to her. Yeah. So I think it was twofold. It was being able to stand in someone's office and look around and see the world that this woman commanded. And at the same time, it was to be able to sit opposite the desk from her and ask very you know, candid, unvarnished middle school questions and be taken seriously. Yeah, and it's Something that I try to replicate because now with Etra, a lot of what we do, the heart of what we do is to take girls in middle school and high school directly into companies and have them meet female leaders. And that same vibe exists. These girls sit in boardrooms and ask every question under the sun and these women take them seriously. Wow. What an incredible opportunity. I would have loved to have been able to participate in something like that when I was in middle school and high school. And it's funny because I think back to those years and I, my my parents both were teachers. So Mm -hmm. I was very familiar with, you know, the school world, the teaching world. And there were both men and women teachers. I really saw a lot of equality there. But some of my parents' friends worked in, you know, financial services or, you know, they were attorneys. And I was able to talk to them, but it's really funny. And it's it's sort of like a, you know, an unspoken message that it's the man who's sitting behind the desk. It's the man executive in power. And, and you know, you can be their secretary. Now, I grew up in, <laughs> in the 80s, so that really was my perspective. You know, I, mm-hmm. I never thought that I could be the one sitting behind that desk. And I was actually just sort of cleaning out my closet <laughs> the other day, and I came across something that I had written and that I had kept, and it was from when I was in middle school, funny enough. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and it was, it was write a letter... Uh, you know, to yourself when you're, you know, 32 years old or something, 35. Mm -hmm. And what I wrote is, you know, I I really want to be a secretary to a high-powered doctor. Like, my dream was to be a secretary. Right. But it was probably showing an interest in that field. Yeah. You know, you didn't, you didn't gravitate to, you didn't want to be a tax attorney secretary. You wanted to go into that field. And so what's interesting about that is I wonder whether the things that you thought 
resonated with you then, whether it was the STEM aspect of it or the fast pace of it, uh, do those things still align now with what you love? Yeah. You know, a lot of times when you talk to women and you say, well, what did you love when you were in middle school? If you were a reader in middle school, odds are good you're still an avid reader. Yeah. You may not at all have the profession you thought you would have, but those fundamental things, if you loved sports, if you had a philanthropic interest, a lot of those things stay with us. And so what we try to do too is to say, don't quit the things you love in middle school. Yeah. It's an easy time to have your confidence falter and say, oh, I'm going to step out of that scary science class, or I'm not going to try out for the next level tennis team. And to put them in front of role models who will say, oh, I remember what that feels like, but stick with what you love, stay through, because then there's no ceiling to what you can do. Yeah. I mean, that is such a powerful message. And one of the things that I I definitely wanted to talk to you about was, you know, when do girls sort of lose that confidence that they have and and start to look around and say to themselves, well, wait a minute, maybe, you know, maybe I can't do this. Maybe this is, you know, maybe I should be a secretary instead of going to actually be the doctor. Because right. it happen- it happens and it still happens today. Right. I mean, I think that there's a lot of data pointing to this exact age. You know, there are studies that say that between the ages of eight and 14, girls' confidence can drop by 30%. Yeah you know, that their interest in sports, that they'll drop their sport that they've been playing uh, at twice the rate of boys yeah. by the time they get to age 14. Ugh. I know. it's And and do you feel that, how long have has Etra been? We just turned four. Okay, May so you just, oh, congratulations. Four. So we are, thank you. We are new in the space. You're um, new, okay. And, and it's a big reason why we love partnering and befriending larger girl organizations because it is such a, a friendly and welcoming sandbox to be in. And we're learning a lot from a lot of the role models. So yeah, we just turned four. Yeah. I mean, that is incredible. I mean, to just even get past year one is like an accomplishment. So congratulations. I have sort of like a two-part question. Do you think that inserting a mentor at that age between eight and 14, have you seen evidence that gets girls past that hump or it helps them to not go so far down the low esteem path. Mm-hmm. I have a hundred percent. And what's interesting is that now that we're four, I'm seeing a little bit of the school life cycle play its way, play itself out with these girls and seeing them come back to the role models that they met. Mm. So I started these lunch and learns. When I first started Etra, it was just a resource site. I was posting quotes from accomplished women, role model quotes. And when I formed a board of all middle and high school age girls, the girls were asking to meet the women. So that's actually how a lot of the lunch and learns really started to get rolling was that the girls wanted to get in front of these women. I wasn't sure we were a big enough organization to be on anyone's radar, but we asked and these companies all threw their doors open. So a lot of the girls met their first role model face-to-face when they were in middle school. Spotify hosted our first, um, we went to Google, we went to YouTube, Morgan Stanley, the Stock Exchange, all of these places. And if a girl met someone who really inspired her, say at, you know, YouTube, when she was in the seventh grade, I'm now seeing as she gets deeper into high school, these questions, can I reconnect with that woman? Mm. She gave her email, do you think it would be okay if I emailed her? Now I have questions about internships and colleges and, you know, suggested majors. 
And it's been so interesting to see not only did the women make an impact when the girls were younger, but they are now serving as, you know, informal sounding boards as they take this next step. So I see the impact coming back twice. And I also see the girls being brave enough to raise their hand. If they're brave enough to raise their hand and ask that question in a boardroom or in someone's office, they almost have no excuse not to raise their hand in a classroom or in an auditorium. So Mm. it builds confidence, not just in terms of, hey, I should stick with what I love because this woman loves it too. And look, she made a whole life out of it. But this woman answered my question. This teacher's going to answer my question. Yeah. And I can risk being wrong in front of a panel of women. I can risk being wrong raising my hand in a classroom or a lab. And that's valuable too. Yeah. The, gosh, there's so much here to unpack. I mean, my mind is just going in so many different directions. Uh, you know, first is it's incredible that you are literally practicing what you you preach. You've reached out to these huge organizations and said, can these girls come in? And you know, I, I don't know what kind of network you have. I'm, I'm sure that being a lawyer, you're very confident. And, you know, you know that if you don't ask, you don't get. But just the mere fact that you reached out to these organizations and they said yes, that's mm-hmm. incredible. I was stunned every time. Every time. You know, I in the beginning, if I had a friend or two who could point me in the right direction, that was amazing. And I'm endlessly grateful for the friend network that I have. But I have to tell you, in all honesty, no companies have said no. Wow. Part of that is because you cannot find a woman who doesn't remember what middle school was like. Yeah. (laughs) Any woman, any executive, anywhere and say, hey, think back to middle school. And when that look passes over her face, you know, everyone remembers. And if you said, could I bring 10 girls? Could I bring 15 girls in? We'll only stay an hour. We're really light lipped. We're not hijacking anyone's day because the girls have to get back to school I'm bringing girls in and out really quickly. We see everything we can see. We talk to as many women as they'll you know, put at our disposal, but there's no set platform because we understand that days are fluid and companies have to be nimble and we're delighted to speak with anyone. So it's a light lift for the company and it's still impactful for the girls. But I think if I want the girls to be brave enough to ask questions, I have to be brave enough to reach out to companies and ask and they get it. Yeah. They want more women at their table. And the way to do that is to save seats for girls. Oh, my gosh. Now, what about, and I don't know if you've done this yet or if this is something that's on your radar, there's obviously an incredible camaraderie with, you know, women and women, right? Like, mm-hmm. we we very much, I think, say yes and open our arms. And especially, yeah. like you're saying, like, we remember what it was like being in middle school. Have you gotten any interest from the like you know male allies within these organizations or or men's groups too because that's something that is also a very real concern like yes women are very open to helping other women not in all cases we do know that but i think for the most part women are very open to helping especially younger women but it's important too to be able to have that type of dialogue and to be able to have that type of confidence when you're in a room with everybody, men included? Yes, it's a great point and it's a great question. Some of the companies where we found an invitation that was originally extended by a man 
who heard about what we were doing or his wife or his sister or someone told him, hey, there's this group, your company should reach out. And, you know, we've been delighted and grateful every time. In terms of the women, the people we're putting in front of the girls right now, that's been entirely women. We've just had, you know, panels of, of women, I think, yeah, without exception. But again, so many male allies getting us into that room, getting us to that point. As Etra grows, we're now starting something called Etra Campus because as our high school girls are starting to graduate, they still want to keep us with them. They still want help with LinkedIn and internships and role models. I think more of that male allyship will come into play because there's no question that in the workforce, male champions and sponsors and mentors are crucial to professional growth. And when we talk about diversity of thought, we need men and women in the room and those voices in our heads always. So I can see it becoming more important and more intertwined with what we're doing as the girls get older. But right now, there's something really valuable about having 10 middle schoolers or 20 middle schoolers see a panel entirely made up of women, and maybe their teams have a lot of men on them. You know, when someone's assistant is a man, that's all the girls (laughs) talk about on the way home. (laughs) These These are important visuals for yeah. them to have. Yes. Yeah. It, it definitely paints the picture that if they can see it, then they can be it to, you know, use a, right. a uh, saying. But yeah, and I, I really, I'm sitting here in such great admiration for what it is that you're doing because it's so important. And I think that there are a lot of people, I know people that I, you know, grew up with. I grew up in, a, you know, a suburb of New York City, Westchester County, very, very privileged, went to an amazing public school. A lot of, you know, my classmates were, you know, their parents were all professional, super rich. And those people were exposed to some of this because their parents took them to work. But there were others that were in the school district or the district next to us where their parents did not have those types of opportunities. So how, I, I guess I'm also wondering, like, you know, the practicalities of this, like, how do people, how do young girls get exposed to ETRA? And how can more, um, you know, kids that aren't necessarily privileged or that live in neighborhoods Mm -hmm. where their parents aren't necessarily, um, you know, in these professional roles, how can they get involved with ETRA? Yep. Um, A lot of the diversity on the bus or the diversity in the room falls on me. You know, I make sure that I don't have a busload of prep school girls, all of whom know each other, all of whom have the same experiences and access to role models. I firmly believe that there's the girl from Greenwich shouldn't have any more access to a role model than the girl from Jersey City or Manhattan or anywhere else. And so a lot of making sure that there's diversity of background and voice in the room falls to me. And, and I'm happy to make sure that that happens. Girls find out about us in a number of different ways. Obviously, social media is a big part of it. You know, we've got close to 12,000 followers across all our channels, which isn't huge, but we're growing. And it's a big way for one girl to tag another and say, hey, you should see this. Um, you yeah. know, hey, they're going to Billboard. We should get seats to that one. And tagging each other and things like that. So social is a big way. We are partnered with... Girl Scouts in New York City, in New Jersey, and in LA. 
So we just had an opportunity in LA right before the pandemic started to meet with Tyra Banks. She wanted to do a one-hour mentorship event awesome. in honor of International Women's Day. And so, right. So we've um, got a school in LA and Girl Scouts of LA. And I went out and did that event. But so we're growing geographically and larger organizations like Girl Scouts, like YWCA, the Intrepid Museum Goals for Girls in Manhattan, all of these groups that serve a variety of areas. I couldn't be happier to save seats for every one of those organizations. So that's another way we can extend our reach. Schools, we've got after school clubs in some schools right now, club etra chapters, and whether I go in and speak or we mine the mom role model population there, which moms might not be able to be class moms because they're working, but they will absolutely come into a school and talk about their job. Now that brings another school involved. And you know, again, schools in underserved areas are where I want to be first. Yeah. So I think there's, we're reaching out every way we can. It's very organic. The way we've grown entirely has been sort of a whisper campaign. Hey, you should see this. Yeah. I mean, it, it just sort of seems to me that if you can get advocates to say, you know, yes, I'm going to implement this program within the school or the after school program or get, you know, an, a mom or something to, to, you know, put this together, I think it can remain you know, sort of a grassroots thing. That's that's how things are going to happen. Yeah. I also, I mean, I live in Nassau County in Long Island, mm-hmm. and Long Island is one of the worst, you know, places in New York for just diversity and inclusion. There, there's so much segregation here. It's it's awful. You know, if there's anything that I can do to help bring this program into some of the schools and the districts that, you know, where yes. where I, I live, like in Hempstead or in, you know, Glen Cove, yeah. I, I think that that would be incredible. I would love that. And I've been to Girl Scout troops out in that area. You know, what's great about the, the Club Etra chapters, and again, this was another idea that came from a board member, a board member who went to school in Rye, actually came to us and said, I want to bring Etra into my school. Can I do that? And I hadn't even thought about after-school clubs. Yeah. And that was in 2017. Uh, so we were a year old, a year and a half old, and we started it. So these after-school clubs are girl-founded, they're girl-led, and they can pick any topic they want off of the Etra Girls website. So they might do one meeting a month where they talk about a different topic every month, or they might just say, we just want to be a club for financial confidence. We just want to be a club for community service or a book club. And they might meet once a month or four times a year because the girls are busy. So what I love about the clubs is that whatever school they land in, we work with the school to say, what are you missing? What What do you need? How often is it feasible for them to meet? This could be just twice a year or this could be a constant thing because we want it to be woven into the fabric of the school so that older girls can mentor younger girls. Older girls can introduce these topics to younger girls. And then when they graduate, the younger girls take over. And that's what we're starting to see. And it's nice to have a little girl power voice on a campus. And it's really interesting to see the parent population get involved. So that's been nice. Wow. I mean, just wow. First, I definitely would have joined (laughs) when I was in middle school. So I'm a little jealous. (laughs) 
But one of the things that I think is also a really powerful aspect of this is that so many of the organizations that you see that are about women or girls are very, you know, like socially focused, a little surface. You know, the Girl Scouts do really great things, but, you know, the selling of the cookies, it it just... Oh, it just doesn't feel as powerful. And the way that you're talking about this mentorship program and and the fact that these girls are sitting on the board, raising their hand, saying what issues and uh, you know, areas of focus they they want to bring, they're paying it forward, pay, you know, putting it back. I mean, mm-hmm. this is really something that is very, very special. And I guess, I mean, it seems to me that you you sort of did this as a gift to your daughter, and it just kind of blew up out of there. Yeah, it was a surprise. I mean, she was already in college when I started it. Hmm. So, you know, she was absolutely the inspiration for it. But I had retired from law by that point and wanted to do something different in this space. And I was happy to let it grow in whatever direction it was going to go in. The board has been crucial because I didn't have a middle school girl anymore. And so it was important to me to have that constant, very raw feedback from the girls. I don't want to take them to a company where they're not interested or they don't use the product or understand what they do. And I will absolutely chase down whatever role model if I send them an email and give them a choice and say, if we interview someone next month, would you, would you rather have an athlete, an astronaut, or a hedge fund manager? And 70% say an astronaut, that's what we're going after. Love so it. I do try to take direction from them. I will say, though, we love all of the other organizations and the partners and the friendships that we've made with these other groups. Of course. A number of our girls are Girl Scouts. And it's interesting because I think they get that early confidence. When you're talking about daisies and cadets, they get the early confidence in the Girl Scouts. And it's really nice to be able to work alongside a group like that and say, you know, they just put out a huge um, at-home resource guide Mm. for everyone who was in homeschooling and trying to keep up with academic and social environmental resources during the pandemic. And we couldn't share that enough because they're doing so much of the heavy lifting and their resources are so deep and so good. So it's really nice to have no, any of that middle school meanness that you might think of when it comes to, you know, girl organizations, we've found none of it. It's just a friendly, awesome club that everyone wants to share everyone else's resources. And I've been, I've been thrilled. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm almost speechless with the incredible work. And so where, you know, you're four years in Mm -hmm. and you're growing and expanding, which is incredible. I, I I did see also that you have a really inspirational book. We did. We wrote a book last year. Yeah. It, it, it's about seven months old right now. It came out on Day of the Girl in 2019. Wow. Can we you wanted, what's in what's in that? I, I saw a not, little bit, but yeah, tell me about it. We wanted it to be um, almost a compilation of everything we had done up to that point. The ten chapters in the book mimic the ten "Who do you want to be?" pages on our website. So, etra, I should have said this at the beginning, but etra in French means to be. Right. And so, the idea of it is asking girls who do they want to be. So, 
we key off of that, you know, Be Innovative is a chapter that talks about young entrepreneurship. And we highlight young girls in middle and high school who have either brought products to market or started companies or being innovative in other ways. And then we also speak with women who have been incredibly entrepreneurial in their careers. So the different chapters lay out like that. Be Wise is about financial literacy. Be Strong is all about sports and athletic role models. Be Charitable is all about philanthropy and how you're not too young to have a real impact Mm -hmm. in that space. Be Smart covers academics and STEM. So for each of these 10 chapters, we have quotes from 40 women, all luminaries in their fields, and 50 girls across the company, uh, across the country. And mm-hmm. woven into that are articles that I've written for places like Huffington Post or Thrive, Elevate, breaking down a lot of these big topics for younger girls. You know, what does equal pay look like when you put it into a word problem in math? Yeah. You know, the, these none of these topics are beyond middle school girls. It's, it's wrong to underestimate them. They can understand all of them. And so the book... It's a paperback uh, magazine style, flip through it, pick a topic that you want to read about. You don't have to read it cover to cover, but it's been a really nice way to put in one place advice from the women we met, inspiration from the girls on our board, and sort of a touchstone for big topics that girls want to hear about. I love it. I'm I'm going to buy myself a couple of copies and gift it to some people that I know. That is really, really cool. Thank you. It's available uh, everywhere. On our website, there's a page called Our Book. And oh. you can find what people are saying about it, you know, which awards it's won, and, and you know, girls' reactions to it, which is, which is nice. Wow. You know, there's, when you were speaking before, I was thinking about another organization that's doing incredible things, the the way that they're actually designing and developing their businesses. It's about humanity and the environment. But B Corp Women, they have a group called We We the Change. And they're a really powerful group of entrepreneurs doing incredible things in the world. And I, you know, I don't know if you know them, but um, I'm sure that they would love to somehow be involved with with this. I would love that. I've read about it and I have a special fondness for that because Etra is a B Corp. Oh, Um, wow. Specifically, not a nonprofit. We are a benefit corp, you know, in part because I didn't know exactly what it was going to be when I started it. Right. And it this gave me a lot of flexibility, but I love any company that builds its mission directly into its charter. Yeah. So when we look at B Corps, you know, like Ben and Jerry's or Athleta or Patagonia or any of the others that have taken special care to protect their mission in their charter documents, I love that. I love that too. And I'm a huge fan of the B Corp and I know how, you know, it's it's pretty intense in order to get that certification. So again, congratulations for well, going through that process. We, we have incorporated as a B Corp. We are working towards our certification. Got it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah, little, we're still, yeah, we're still in that. That's that's great, though. I mean, maybe at another time, you and I can talk because um, it's something that for she leads media, I'm I'm really interested in and have been for quite some time, but have been, you know, a little reluctant just because I know that there's so many things, so many hurdles to sort of overcome. But other people have done it, so mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm definitely interested in that. So I, I think that we're about at time. 
And I would just love to know if there's anything else that you would like to tell, you know, our listeners about what you or Etra or how they can get involved. And just, you know, please let us know the website again. Yeah. Um, so the website is etragirls.com. So it's E-T-R-E girls.com. And you can find all the ways to get involved there, whether you want to have your company mentor a girl or host us at any time, if you want to start a club, if you want to join the board for the girls leaving high school and heading off to college, Etra Campus is going to have your back with things like internships. We've been working now with a number of girls whose internships went up in smoke just because of COVID, finding virtual internships. Mm. So don't think that those are not out there because there's a lot of advantage to now being able to throw the doors wide open and look at companies that might not be located where you live, but you could do a virtual internship and be of real use to a company where you might not have had that opportunity before. So we're absolutely pairing girls with you know companies in that respect. Perfect. And I think, you know, follow us everywhere on social. We are at Etra Girls everywhere on social media. And now especially, I mean, certainly looking to the events of this week and beyond, social media is a tremendous place to learn and educate yourself as to what's happening. And then to be able to find your voice and speak up and support organizations or individuals where you want to align yourself, protest the things that don't sit right with you and share resources. There can't be enough of that right now. And we've we've had our girls being so involved with what we post and suggesting and commenting on what we need to be doing. And if you're meeting us for the first time on social media, you're going to find a lot of resources there. So at Etra Girls, we want to hear from everybody. Amazing. And yes, we will follow you. And yes, keep up the great work. And yes, you know, let's educate ourselves and educate the girls because these are our future leaders. And I'm I'm just so hopeful that these these young women who turn into powerful, influential women that we're going to be able to change the way that things are and hopefully eradicate some of this nonsense and just utter hatred. I'm sure of it. It's an important time. And when we talk about not underestimating girls, don't underestimate for a second what they're feeling with, what they're living with, what they're seeing, and to be able to raise them up and say, look at other girls your age or a little older who are speaking out and standing up and speaking the truth that is right for their age. They can do it too. And it's a really important time to listen and then find your voice. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just hallelujah. (laughs) Um, And I, I think, you know, also going the other way, older women can likewise be inspired by by some of these younger women's voices. It doesn't always, you know, work that the older are the wiser in, you know, in a lot of cases they're not. So when I see, yeah, when I see these young women being so powerful, I, my heart explodes with joy and you know, it it makes me know that if somebody who's in eighth grade is articulate and can speak up and, you know, speak out for the injustice that she sees, well, then I can do it too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
So Alana, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation today and I'm going to be ordering the book and following you all over the place. And everybody, please do the same. You know, I really support everything that it is that you're doing and I can't wait to get involved. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.